I have a confession to make. I do like the creepy and scary sometimes. I know it's a, it's a weird thing. It feels weird to, to voice that publicly. But I do like, I like a little bit of the scary. I like that hair on the back of my neck thing. I do, I do like that sometimes. Just that sense of you're not sure what's ahead. You know, it's kind of creepy. And look, we're in October now. Right? So if you drive around town at all, you might notice that some people have some decorations up. There's a particular day that we celebrate here in America. Okay, we'll put celebrate in quotes. It's a day that happens at the end of this month that you all are well aware of. It's on Saturday, in case you didn't know this year. Halloween, right? It's this odd little celebration where people kind of, you know, embrace a little bit of the scary or, you know, goofy and they go door to door and complete strangers give them candy. It's this strange sort of ha- ha- Halloween day that we all know is coming where, again, it's not necessarily about evil as much, although some would say maybe it's connected to the Day of the Dead or something like that. But it, it is certainly a day that here in our country we look at the scary. And, and here's the deal. What do these have in common? Let me list them out for you. The creature from Loch Ness, dragons, Bigfoot, Swamp Thing, King Kong, and you could even throw the blob in there. What do all these have in common? Monsters. They're monsters. Yeah, we have movies about them, but they're monsters. These are monsters. Monsters can tend to capture our imagination a little bit, right? They can kind of capture our attention they can make the, the hair stand up on the backs of our necks. Now, here's what I want to do. In the next few moments, I want you to uh, lean over to someone nearby and tell them your favorite monster. Go ahead. Go for it. Some of you online, if you're online with us right now, do that in the chat window. Put down, this is my favorite monster. Go ahead. Take a few minutes. A few minutes. Your favorite monster. You can yell it out. Maybe you have a t-shirt of some sort. Your favorite monster. Well, what is the deal? What is our fascination in, a, in our culture with monsters? What is the fascination with that? And for many of us that, that maybe grew up in church or are Christians, uh, we, we have had kind of a, a difficult relationship with the scary and with Halloween, right? In fact, in Christian circles, we often rebrand Halloween to be like the harvest party. Which is weird because we do almost the exact same thing, but it's not Halloween. No, this is a harvest party. We still bob for apples. We're still putting on costumes. But no, this is a harvest party way different than this thing called Halloween. You know what I mean? We, we, Christians have treated this a little bit differently, and, and probably for, for good reason. I mean, we certainly don't want to embrace evil. Obviously, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, we don't want to you know, necessarily scare people either. But with Halloween and harvest party, we recognize that there's something going on in culture. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can learn some things. Maybe God has truth to speak into some of these things, even something like 
Halloween. And that's kind of what we're doing in this monster series, is we're kind of looking at these, these, these monsters that have captured our imagination for over hundreds of years, and, and we're going to bring Scripture into that. Could, could Jesus actually speak to some of these things? Because monsters act as kind of a metaphor of the things that maybe we want to put under lock and key, things that we don't want to address, things that we want to keep in the dark. Look, even, even the Christian series... From, from the early 90s, when my kids were younger, even the series Veggie Tales covered the idea of monsters. In fact, there was one particular episode, one of my favorites, where there's this monster in the episode, and the creatures, I think it was like Junior Asparagus, he sang this song, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than God's... Okay, I know the whole song, but anyway... Even in Christian culture, we've understood that monsters can actually springboard us into a conversation from Scripture. That maybe these monster metaphors can help us unlock some things that we might need to bring light into. That we might need to bring to the cross. So that's what we're, we're kicking off today is this monster series. And it's interesting, if you think about it, the past 10, 15 years, there are two particular monsters that have captured Americans' imagination, probably all over the world. But, I mean, one of them is zombies. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed that, but there's just so many shows and TV, you know, series on zombies. You know, these things that kind of, they're basically, you know, dead creatures walking around. And, and, and that's been, I mean, Walking Dead is a show that's been on for, I think, over a decade which is just this show, I think, is a pretty brutal show about zombies. Another one that I think you're probably well familiar with is Vampires and Dracula, right? Because actually there's a whole like book series, right? Can we say Twilight in here? Where, where people were fascinated by this really weird and, and dysfunctional relationship in this, this series, but it's basically a series about uh, vampires and, and Dracula. And the thing for us today it's not about scary. It's not about evil. What we're actually going to do in this series, we're going to look at these stories and myths, these monsters. We're going to look at three of them in this series. We're going to look at how they could speak to our lives on maybe the monsters that we have, that we're carrying with us. These can inform us about ourselves. Pop culture can sometimes springboard us into great conversations that really Jesus would like us to have when it, with regard to our spiritual life and our health. So hey, I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you've joined us today. I actually thought about having a, a, a pair of fake um, fangs, but I thought that might have gone just too far. Back when I was a kid, they used to have these wax ones. Anybody remember the wax things? They're, they're nasty, but they would have like lips or, you know, couldn't find those. But today, I'm glad you've joined us today. Again, I'm Pastor Ben. Whether you're with us in person or online, glad you guys are with us today. We're kicking off this series, and we, we're doing this on a Sunday. Sunday is the day where Christ followers all over the world, and we've been doing it for centuries, we gather on Sunday because Sunday was the day that Jesus Christ, our Savior, rose from the dead and changed human history forever. And we gather as kind of a reset to our week, a brand new week is starting today, and we lift up Jesus. And that's why we gather on Sunday, so we're so glad you're here either in person or online. So let's pray and then get into today's message all about Dracula. I have never said a statement just like what I just said. We're, we're going to talk about Dracula and let's pray. All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness. Father, you speak to us. You speak truth to us in so many different ways. And Father, sometimes we can, we can see truths about ourselves in even something like monsters. So Father, speak to us. May your Holy Spirit move us in a powerful way and may you get all the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, so why are we talking about Dracula today? Why, why Dracula? Well, certainly we've already covered that. It's pretty, for whatever reason, it's been pretty popular for probably arguably a hundred and some years in our culture. So, so yeah, it's, 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 it's an important monster, I think, to kick off today. The whole idea of vampire and, and Dracula, it, it really kind of started out pretty creepy. You know, the, the early stories were, were very, very creepy, kind of this, this weird, mysterious character that, that had to survive off, you know, stealing the life from someone else. Kind of a creepy, scary thing. But when I was a kid, I think it had kind of gone a whole different place. Because when I was a kid, you could buy, you could buy cereal called Count Chocula. Which is basically, you know, you're eating this cereal and it's Dracula. It kind of went the opposite way. Instead of being scary, it was almost more silly. In fact, there was a show that we used to watch on TV when I was a kid. We only had three channels. And, uh, and there was this one show that was on TV back in the day called Sesame Street. I don't even know if it's still going. Is it still going? Sesame Street. But, but there was a character on, not, not just Cookie Monster. Okay, we could talk about Cookie Monster. Great Cookie Monster guy. But there was a Dracula character called the Count. One, two, three. Even on kids' culture, we had these, this, this, this Dracula character, this monster character, of course, less scary. But originally, these Dracula stories came from different cultures, but they really didn't take, really didn't take to heart for people until a guy named Bram Stoker wrote a novel in the 1800s. And it was really a, a novel that was loosely based on a really bad, uh, you know, general named Vlad the Impaler from like the 1400s or something like that. Some really brutal, you know, uh, king or leader. And so Bram Stoker wrote this novel as a fiction novel, kind of loosely based on this kind of evil character. But some would say that Bram Stoker actually wrote this novel as a metaphor about his own addictions. Some would say that he was in, and they didn't really say that back then, but kind of a sex addict. And so this was kind of written as a metaphor, really almost as an autobiography of the things he was struggling with. But this, this, this novel came out in the 1800s, and so people read it and that sort of thing. And, 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 but it wasn't until, and now we're getting into our era, it wasn't until a little film came out in 1931, just before World War II, that this really kind of, concreted itself into American culture. There was a, a film that came out in 1931 called Dracula, and it starred a, an up-and-coming actor from Romania, a guy named Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi was the character that played, the, the actor that played the character of Dracula. And, and here you have this kind of this attractive, kind of a you know, demanding guy, and that kind of, kind of solidified that character into American culture. So it became kind of this, this icon that we still talk about today, and books are still written, and lots of people uh, are fascinated yet by this, this ancient myth, Dracula. So why again, Ben, why are you talking about Dracula on a Sunday morning? That just seems weird. Here's the deal. I think you might know a few Draculas. I just think you might know a few vampires. Not the monsters, but I think you might know some people, you might have some circumstances, some situations in your life that threaten to suck the life out of you. Things that take your joy. Things that really ruin 
your life. Things that would act as a vampire would take the good things out of your life and leave you for dead. Now, uh, here's some examples. It could be something uh, like a, uh, I don't know, like a boss who never appreciates the hard work that you do. That can be kind of draining, right? Or, or maybe, maybe it's that family member that is always needing something from you. Whether that be money or resources or time, draining, draining you of life, draining you of joy. Could be someone like that. Could be maybe that coworker who you've worked with that always one-ups you and always takes credit for the hard things you've done. That can be, that can be kind of draining. It could be maybe kids or grandkids that take everything from you and never even throw out there a thank you. That could be something very draining in your life. How about parents or someone in your life that never said the words to you, I'm proud of you. That can be so draining on your life. Or maybe it's that, that needy person or friend that just goes from drama to drama to drama and it's just so negative and, and it's just draining on your life. I would bet that there are a few of us in this room that know some Draculas. They know some vampires. And you know what? It may not be just a person. It could be circumstances. It could be the news cycle that is sucking the life out of you right now. It may be the fact that we're so politically divided right now. That could be just draining on you. It could be your social media feed that's just constantly spilling things and it's sucking the life right out of you. I bet we know some vampires in our lives. Some things that, that threaten to take, take our life. And let's do a reality check for a second. Let's do a little bit of a reality check. You and I all have 24 hours in a day. And we have limited time and limited resources. Can we just admit that right now? We have a bandwidth. We have a capacity. We have only so many hours in a day and we have limits. And we're living in a world that is constantly throwing more need than we can handle at us. Every day, all day. We are people of limited time and resources and we have an unlimited amount of things trying to steal life from us, trying to take things from us. And so the real question for us today, as we kick off this monster series and talk about Dracula and vampire, the whole idea is, what are those things that are taking life from you? And how do we not only survive in a world like that, that's constantly asking for our, our need, taking needs from us, how do we survive in a world like that and actually thrive? And I think the answer to that is looking to Jesus. So if you have a Bible or a device, I want to show you something that you may have overlooked when you've read through the Gospels. You know, the Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament part of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are like the kind of the biographies of Jesus' life, you know, each coming from a different angle. And Luke gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the sort of rhythm of life that Jesus had. Jesus arguably was born into a world like us with lots of needs, constantly asking for his attention and time, constantly needing uh, more and more from us. Jesus was born into that world as well. 
just like we are today. And, in, and if you find Luke chapter 4, we're going to be there in just a minute. But again, we're learning from Jesus here because he had overwhelming expectations and needs thrown at him, and yet he was able to, he was able to live a life that was full and avoid the trap of everybody's expectation, everybody's overwhelming needs that were being imposed on him. He learned how to walk and be healthy. So let's look at chapter 4, verse 42. That's where we're going to be here. Let me just read that. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a busy place with lots of people. Or does it say something else? At daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. And people were looking, at it, looking for him. Why? We need you, Jesus. We need you to be involved. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. He would go often to a, a solitary place, away from the crowds. It was a rhythm there. Let's look at the next chapter. Is chapter 5 in, in, in the book of Luke. Look at verse 15 and 16. The, the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and, he heal, and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But Jesus often went to what? lonely places and prayed. Now, we're seeing a, a rhythm here that Jesus understood that he needed to pull away from all the needs for a while. And this may shock you, but you know Jesus didn't heal everybody. When he would be walking around in town, there's lots of needs. He didn't, he didn't heal everybody. In fact, he didn't have, uh, he, 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 didn't, he didn't cover every subject. He didn't give speeches all the time. He often went to lonely places and pray. Now, there are times in the Gospels that you will see that even his disciples were frustrated by this. Sometimes they would just be looking for him like, where have you been? You know, this thing's going viral. You know, we're, we're, we're the big thing in Jerusalem. Where are you at? But Jesus was often Where? Lonely, solitary places to pray, to connect to the Father. Even when people were pressing Him all the time for needs. Jesus learned to live with healthy boundaries and rhythms. Even with all the things that were trying to get His attention, trying to get from Him, He learned to live with healthy boundaries, healthy rhythms. Jesus prioritized his time with God. He prioritized his time with the Father. I mean, there was always more that he could do. But have you ever really thought about the fact that nobody looking back on the life of Jesus thought, man, he sure didn't accomplish very much. I think Pastor Mike said that a few weeks ago. Nobody's saying, wow, Jesus seemed hurried all the time. He had a healthy rhythm of life that included a healthy dose of him and the Father in a solitary place. 
People tended to get annoyed with that, but he was okay with it. He had a, a rhythm. This is an intentional way to live. It takes intention. It doesn't just happen. This is an intentional way to live, and Jesus modeled that for us. We have to prioritize our time with Jesus, and it may mean that that time means that we have less time for other things, less time for that social media feed that just is so life-giving, less time to watch the news cycles yet again and be frustrated, less time for that needy person that you've already helped several times, but they just keep keep coming back, and you need space in your life. You need a rhythm to be able to be helpful for people. It's an intentional way to live. we got to stop saying things like, I just simply don't have time to spend with the Lord. Do you know that we all have 24 hours? It's not like you have a special thing where you only got 23 and a half, and the rest of us got 24. We have the same amount of time. We make time for the things that matter. Do you know that you invest in what you value? Jesus understood that if he's going to be any good to anybody, he needed to spend time with the Father. And I think that's a good thing for us to hear. In all the needs and all the things that are going crazy in our world, how much time are you spending with the Father? That means, you know, spending time in prayer and Scripture. For some of us, that also means making sure we have good boundaries in our life so that we're getting sleep and exercise, Right? We're going to be no good to anybody. Jesus understood there's a rhythm to this life. There's a rhythm to humanity that we have to be careful about. If we're always go, 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 it's going to wear us out. Sometimes we need to learn the, the, the different phrase, no, no, no. We say no to the good things sometimes so that we can say yes to the best things. That's what boundaries are all about. Boundaries are healthy. And here's something that you may or may not like to hear. But you are in charge of your boundaries. You set them. You know, this is going to be my time with God, and we're going to put a boundary around that. This is my time with family. This is the time I'm going to be healthy and get some sleep. I'm putting boundaries in places to protect myself. Look, if you don't set your boundaries and someone crosses them, that's on you. It's not their fault. If you didn't set your boundaries and someone walks over them, that's on you. I know that seems harsh, but that's the reality of it. We need to make time to prioritize time with the Lord, prioritize time away. Sometimes some of you just need quiet for a while. You do. I don't, I, I don't, there's not any kind of magic to it. It's just you need time away from the constant noise in culture right now. Some of you, this may mean you don't even look at your phone on a day. I'm serious. Some of you, you need to turn the notifications off on your devices. Shut them off. Some of you, you don't need to flip on the, the news. In fact, Jackie, was, my wife Jackie, she was talking to me the other day about how let's not turn on the news until after dinner. Can we get a good meal together before we turn that on? It's actually a pretty good idea. We make boundaries to protect ourselves so that we can be good for other people. Jesus understood that, and he would what? He would often go away to where? Lonely, lonely places to pray. He understood the rhythms of life. Here's the deal. When, when you are, 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 being, are, are, are being tempted to continue the craziness and not pull back, it will suck the life out of you. 
When things, people, circumstances threaten to pull the life away from you, you can do something about that. You can turn to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the only one that's going to bring peace in this crazy world. When things, people, circumstances threaten to steal and drain away your life like a vampire would, you turn to Jesus. Point to Jesus. He's the only Messiah. He's the only Messiah. There's something that we say in ministry sometimes that we got to be careful about, for ministers especially, or anybody serving in ministry. What we tend to do, and this is true for social workers, what tends to happen is people get this thing called a Messiah complex. Do you know what this is? A Messiah complex. Have you ever heard that before? It's this idea that you feel like you got to fix everybody. That you are, in a sense, the Savior of people. You know what? You're not. There's only one Savior that I know of. That's Jesus. He's the only one that can fix. I love what they say at Celebrate Recovery in addiction training. They tell you that we can't fix, but we can help. That's all we can do is help. We can't fix. We are not the Messiah. So when, when things, people, circumstances tend to threaten us and suck the life out of us, we point to Jesus because he's the only power. He's the only place for peace in this world. We are not the saviors. Jesus is the, is, is the, is the power source that we need to turn to. And here's the reality of it. I know we've been talking about this in sort of generalities, but let's talk about this specifically. There may be people in your life or circumstances that don't even know that they're sucking the life out of you. What's the vampire rule? Do you know what the Dracula rule or vampire rule is? They can't see their what? Reflection in the mirror, right? Isn't that the vampire rule? I know it changes depending on the situation, but they can't see their, their image. There may be people in your life that don't even know they're doing this. So now what do we do? Well, we still point them to Jesus and we bring it to light. We call it out. Hey, I've helped you. I've done this. I've done... What, if, what can you do to help your situation? Sometimes we need to help people. We need to coach them, not try to fix them, try to save them all the time. We can coach them, point them to resources, but most likely it's not going to be us because we can't fix. We can only help. Sometimes vampires don't even see what they're doing. And we can help them and point them to Jesus. And you know, sometimes, maybe us in this room, we act like vampires. That we, we try to get more from people than they really even have. Maybe we're acting like vampires sometimes. Do you realize that we are sinners? We are all sinners in this room. That's us. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes we need to repent because we've been kind of stealing life from other people. And we gotta, we got to put it into that. Sometimes we can do that. But look, we can help, but we can't fix. And if you're going to be helpful for people, you need to have boundaries to prevent that life being sucked out of you. What do they do on airplanes? When's the last time you were on an airplane? It's probably been a while, right? I've got a flight coming up in, in November. I'm actually a little nervous about that. But you know how when you take a flight, maybe, maybe you've taken one at some point in the past, uh, they have the, the, the flight attendants, the, the stewardesses, you know, whatever. They, they come out and they kind of do their dance, you know. This is where the exits are. You know, you've seen that dance, right? And, 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 if, and in case of an emergency, these floor things will light up. You know, they're kind of doing this with big, broad gestures, you know. You're like, I don't know where that's at. She just pointed back there. But they're doing this thing and they talk about, you know, hey, you know, if, you, if we're over water and the plane hits the water, which is already kind of panicking me, but when you're flying over land, it's less helpful to know that your seat can act as a, a flotation de device, right? But then they get to that thing where they talk about the air pressure. 
right? Where, where it says, if the air pressure in the cabin, in the main cabin, drops, then these little things will come out of the ceiling. And, and, and what do they, they tell you to do, right? They, they, these are going to provide oxygen, right? You, you, anybody know what that... You've, you've been there, right? So these things drop down and you're supposed to put them on. But what do they tell you? If you're sitting next to someone who needs extra help or a child, what do they tell you to do? Which seems counterintuitive. Put yourself one on for you. Then you're healthy enough to help someone else. This is what boundaries are about, folks. Being healthy enough, having healthy rhythms and healthy boundaries so that you can be a help. Not to fix, but to help. And that's what we're talking about. When things, people, resources threaten to steal and suck the life out of you, there's a couple things we can do. We've already talked about it, but the first one is we bring it into the light. And then next, we bring it to the cross. We bring it to Jesus. Bring it to light, call it what it is, and bring it to Jesus. Whether that be people, circumstances, your social media feed, bring it to the light, call it what it is, and bring it to Jesus. That's what we do. You know, the reality is, monsters are much less scary in the, in the daytime, aren't they? You flip the lights on, not so scary anymore. All those, you know, those haunted houses that always happen around this time of year, you know, where people kind of go and they'll pay. They, you flip the lights on and it's goofy. Monsters are less scary when you bring them into the light. And your monsters, maybe other people, maybe circumstances, your monsters might actually be something in you. Maybe it's a, a habit, a, a hang-up, an addiction, something that is draining the life out of you. And what can you do? You bring it to the light. You bring light and you bring it to the cross. Right? There might be something in your lives that's draining your joy, draining your life. You bring Him to the light and you bring Him to the cross. And for some of us, we need to think about our boundaries a little bit better. We need to have healthier boundaries. Say no to more things so we can say yes to the best things. So that we can be of help someone but not fix them. We bring them to the cross. When monsters start to creep in, whether it be Dracula or any other monster, and they come to threaten your joy, threaten your life, you bring them to the light and you bring them to the cross. You know, I love what Paul wrote in Colossians 2. Colossians 2.13 reminds us that we were all once dead. But by faith in Jesus Christ, He brought us to life. Do you know that there's hope for vampires? <laughs> Draculas. There is hope for dead things because we serve a Savior that brings dead things to life. And He's not talking about monsters. He's talking about real life. The abundant life. The life, the life we've always wanted. There's hope, and that's the cross. Only Jesus can bring, bring life from dead things. I'm going to say a prayer here in a minute, but... Before we get there, I just want to say, look, if you're online with us today, awesome, awesome that you're there. If you're in person, if you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of life, if you've never asked Him to raise your dead life and make it, make it brand new, to bring you life, if you've never done that, you could do that today. It's very simple. It starts with faith, believing that Jesus is who He says He is, the Son of God. Believe that He, he was born, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to save your sins, save you from your sins. That starts with faith. And then repentance is where you admit that you're a sinner and you need help. And, and there's a Bible word called repentance. That means you, you were going your direction and you turn and follow Jesus. You confess 
before everyone. You make it public that you need Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You're baptized into Christ. That means you're brought down into the water, dead to the old way of life, risen to new life. That's bringing life out of dead things by Jesus. And you begin walking the way of Jesus. If you've never done that, we would love to celebrate that with you today. But for the rest of us, uh, let's remember that we bring things to the light and we bring things to the cross. When monsters threaten to steal our joy, to suck the life out of us, we turn to Jesus and we bring those things to light. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, would you confront the monsters in our lives? Father, help us to have the boldness by faith in your son Jesus to confront monsters, whether they be inside us or around us, that, Father, we would confront those monsters and bring them to the cross and bring light to those things so that you can bring new life out of those dark places. Father, we pray for the courage to confront those. And Father, as we go out into the week, help us to love our neighbor and to bring your love to the world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.